2: Okay, we are now recording.
1: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Local Zero. You're listening to Becky, Matt, and Fraser, and this is a super duper special episode because it's our Christmas special. Woohoo!
2: And we're all honoured. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ding dong merrily on high, uh, the Yeah, this is the first time we've actually all kind of properly got together since we. St- well, to do the pod since we started back in like, time is blurry now, but October yeah, yeah. 2020. 2020.
2: yeah. <laughs> October yeah, 2020. Even the, even the live episode, Becky didn't make it down to the to the live. So this is actually the first episode we've recorded
0: in the same room. It is. Wow. Yeah, Isn't which nice? is quite shocking. But there you go. That's pandemics for you. But no it's really great to get us together we're currently sitting in fraser's kitchen which is the hub of all activity so yeah
2: we're actually the the center of the climate and politics
0: universe and
1: and as i've (laughs) just discovered the center of the gin universe
0: (laughs) (laughs) no it's really good good to get everybody back and obviously it's been been a a crazy year um for all the reasons that your listeners will be aware of but personally it's been uh, for each of us a, a busy year um, so we thought today we should really take stock, right, and try and make a bit of sense of it all. That's it. It's it's
2: about it's about that time. Um, so much, so much has happened this year, and not just even if you discount, you know, the tiny, teeny, tiny pandemic that's been still rumbling on between COP and everything the, the enormous run up to that. It's been huge for us personally, professionally, and for the pod as well. We've we've actually put put a bit of a shift in. I would say
0: we have. I, I'm haven't got the numbers in front of me. I probably should. But the number of pod episodes we've produced, minutes, I mean... It, a lot. It's a lot. It's a long list. I have to scroll for about 30 seconds to get to the bottom of it now. So, yeah, it's been yes. quite a lot. So I think we're all very happy with... How this year has gone with the pod. and we're so happy that we've got so many listeners listening now and and we really appreciate all the engagement that you've you've made on Twitter, by email, um and for all of you who've've who've come to some of the events that we've we've been running, uh, thrilled that you've been able to come along for the ride.
1: So as part of this, I think it was Fraser, you challenged us to think about our highlights mm-hmm. from the year in terms of the pod, in terms of our professional lives and in terms of our personal lives. And I have to say, I thought that the easiest one of all of those was going to be the pod highlight. And then I opened the, the page with all of our episodes. And literally, like every episode I looked at, I was like, oh, that one. No, 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 that one. No, that one. <laughs> because there's just been so many that have been great, either because of you know the topics that we've covered. So I mean, I love the episode we just did after COP with Dave Ray because we, it just was so beautifully explained. You know, he was so clear about mm-hmm. the key things that had come out of COP that I don't know it was almost like a penny dropped in my mind around some of the issues.
2: I think after the 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 mania of COP as well it felt like a little bit of catharsis and a little bit like he kind of lined everything up it's like oh now it feels that there's a bit more reason to it and we understand the next steps a little bit better it was.
0: It's also nice having guests back and actually that's been a really nice thing over the year. Is that we've had certain people returning um uh, well, beyond Dave, you we've had uh, we've had Jeff Hardy's come back once or twice, um, and you know it's just great to have have individuals come back, and it is really difficult to pick. Um, you know, I'm looking through this, and um, for me, um, one of the things I've enjoyed most about this is is being able to be a bit greedy and to kind of move into a space which you otherwise wouldn't have had kind of time for in your personal or professional life, and it makes you kind of go into a space and kind of hoover up. A bit of knowledge about an area which you otherwise wouldn't dip into, and we've got the we've been lucky enough to have the experts to educate us. Yeah, which Lord, I needed educating <laughs> about a lot of stuff.
2: Okay then, okay then. Let's let's on the spot. E- mm-hmm. Either of you wants to open the bat? What's your? We talked about Dave Ray the last episode. Yeah. Cast your cast your mind back over the last year. What what was one or two highlights for you of the podcast?
1: I loved the episode we did on the low traffic neighbourhoods.
2: I love that too. Really loved that episode.
1: It was so real. Hearing about the challenges and the opportunities as way more than just energy or transport. You know, it was it was really digging into people's lives and I loved it. But the other episode that I loved was one that I wasn't involved in at all. And it was the one that you recorded on your own, Fraser.
2: Mm-hmm. I think we, everyone agrees that that was the best
3: episode.
2: I was—I yeah. <laughs> was, I almost wasn't going to mention it, but now, now that you've said it, Becky, yeah, I think that was a very good episode. Now I loved the LTN's episode as well. One of my favourite bits—and maybe sort of kiss my own backside a little bit—but I loved the the segment with Brenda Pesh the gorilla parklets yeah, sort of yeah, OG. yeah yeah
0: love that yeah
2: she was just incredible um the the kind of the ethos the 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 deeds not words sort of oh, i was amazing and then of course uh, leo murray from possible and john burke who are just a, a real a real double act at times too i feel like a very warm. yeah
0: a, f- a formidable double act and um yeah. leo also came onto one of my favorite episodes which was moving on up um uh, one on transport and we also had Debbie Hopkins and um Ian Doherty on that. And I think my jaw hit the floor three or four times on that one because I whilst I knew it was I knew the kind of the scale of the transport problem, I didn't realize how intractable it was and how difficult it's going to be to solve. Um, I really, really enjoyed that um, that one. I think that the LTN one kind of linked into that.
2: Yeah, they kind of, uh, they, they flowed from each other. The other one that, that you mentioned, Becky, the local hero ones, I, I loved that one. And not just because it was me, and effectively just interviewing my mates around, around <laughs> Glasgow, um, but hearing from people who have been doing this for so long in their communities. But actually, that was the first one where we got to go out on site and speak to people in their environment rather than doing it from behind the screen. And I think that comes across, you get a bit of the ambient sound, you hear the bustle, it's, everyone's relaxed and it's yeah. a really, really nice ep- And inspiring in terms of the work that they do and the insights they give.
0: And that kind of was why uh, recording, nearly said filming, not quite. Not, <laughs> local, local, <laughs> yeah.
2: That's the big news. Sorry, I've moved uh, on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Big time um, <laughs> you know,
0: Recording at COP26 was just kind of so liberating and exciting because all of a sudden you had this recorder in your hand and you're like, I can record anything. Yeah. Um, and for me going on the March and recording with the kids and just trying to catch his ambient sounds of people singing and protesting and talking. And that ambient sound was the, was the sound of cop was the sound of this kind of energy of this, this hope, and um, protest. And, and yeah, that I'm actually kind of got goosebumps thinking, right. It, Cause it was being in the middle of it was so uh, invigorating and it gave me the energy to kind of finish the year because I was. Pretty tired at that point. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Push me on, you know. Um, so I, I loved that episode. I thought it was extremely powerful. I thought you got a lot of
2: like real world insights. But I think one of the, it's so difficult. I've I've got a list of another three or four. But I think if I'm going to narrow it down, one of my real highlights of the year, and maybe it's just the name, maybe it's just the pizzazz, but the one that we opened the year up with, and that was the interview with Chris Stark. I thought he was awesome. He was he was quick with everything. It's actually a really a really warm conversation despite it being around very sort of high levels gcc the new report the carbon budget um but i thought that was that was a real great way to kick off the year and i think um I, yeah a big podcast highlight for me
1: yeah that was yeah i can't believe it didn't mention that earlier actually it was a really amazing one and um and the other one that i loved which was one of our very early ones was around fuel poverty mm. where we talked to amy ambrose and we also talked to a couple of folk based in Orkney and I love that because I think Amy laid out the challenges really clearly and really beautifully but we also got to hear from people who were actually you know working on this like day to day that is what they are doing Every day, right at the front line, so that was amazing for me as well.
2: Yeah, that was a really good episode, and we touched on it a little bit as well. We're effectively just going through every episode. Yeah. But we took we did the the energy crisis episodes where we spoke with um uh, Dara from Citizens Advice. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, the the energy crisis one was just yeah. so good.
2: And, uh, Clem from from Oct- and Jeff was on that episode too. Yeah. Jeff Hardy was yeah. on that episode.
0: Yeah, and and knowing that what we were talking about, and it was at the, very much at the outset of the energy crisis. But we know the issues that we were unpacking going to set the tone about not just the energy market, you know, from a kind of business analyst kind of perspective, but people in their front rooms, in their kitchens, um, you know, they're going to be feeling this right now as this goes out and it's in it and arguably it's going to get even worse in in March and April. Um, So it was great to unpack that. If you had to twist my arm, which you're not, um, and I had to pick one. Well, actually, look, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick two. (laughs) I'll I'll put one as runner-up and then one as a favorite, but runner-up I'll probably put... Uh, interview with Greg Barker, actually, which I re- I really enjoyed. It was it was quite a personal thing for me because during my PhD, I was covering off a lot of work that Lord Barker was, was involved with then, wasn't Lord and, and was minister, but was trying to un- unpack some of the policies and why they were designed that way and, and how he felt about them and how they were And obviously this is one perspective, it's from government at the time, but I actually felt he was remarkably honest about it. Um, and it was my first experience of interviewing, you know, a former minister. So that was, that was good. But if you had, if I had to pick one, it would be the first land episode we did with Malcolm Coombe oh, yeah, yeah. and Kate Swade. And we were talking about ownership of land. And again, it was one of those head exploding moments where you're like, ah, it's all about land, every little bit of net zero. It, it all kind of leads back to ownership of land and the justice implications of that. And I could go off on, on and on and on and I won't, but yeah,
2: that had the, uh, I did the interview with Magnus Davidson. For Magnus the- was on that as well. Yeah, uh,
0: absolutely. And Mag- Magnus has just been, uh, you know, a fantastic voice to listen to around, you know, the, the, the trials and tribulations of, of rural Scotland, particularly highlands, uh, islands and, you know he's really strong voice and commentary around you know, green green ledism and and what's happening you know, with high net worth individuals and companies and offsetting COP26 hearing all about this. It's going to only get worse and worse and worse. And so yeah, it's a real hot topic. Yeah, yeah. I was glad we were able to connect with him about it because yeah. I learned so much. I
2: think fair play to you, Matt, for pinning yourself down on a single episode there, Becky on the spot, single episode.
1: Oh, goodness me. Do you know what? If I had to pick a single one, and we haven't even mentioned it yet, it was um, it was the episode we did with Becky Willis.
2: Oh, that was a belter as well, yeah. It was a
1: brilliant episode, and I can't even remember what it was called. I'm desperately scrolling. Power to the People. That's it. Um, what a great title as well. But, no, I really, really enjoyed that one um, because, for me, I mean – that's What it's all about, isn't it? That like, is what this whole thing is about,
0: and, and it's on the back of you know all, all of her work with the Citizens Assembly. And uh, you know, that was the, the initial Citizens Assembly, the Climate Citizens Assembly, uh, in the UK, which I know other guests like Chris Stark were heavily involved with, uh, Rich Lowe's, uh, I know, was involved with this. But this has been replicated. Oh, that's another episode, oh, you did <laughs> another brilliant one. yeah. We're just gonna be here all night, but that's been replicated elsewhere. I mean, you know, we've we've Almost every city's kind of set up their own uh, citizens assembly now. So, real trail trailblazing stuff. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. I think, gun to my head as well. I'd, I'll go back to the the LTNs, the low traffic neighbourhoods. There was just there was a feel about that episode, and I think that conversation that I got, I was I was lucky enough to have with, with uh, Brenda, or the the original sort of person who put together the parklets to kind of reclaim an urban space for for green. Uh, it was incredible. It's one of the favourite conversations I've ever had with anyone in my life. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. But we've 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 covered a fair bit of ground.
0: Yeah, and we've there are many more I want to talk about. Yeah. But, um,
2: <laughs> I shout to everyone who's who's been on. It's it's been amazing. Nobody nobody was bad.
1: Well, I, and actually, this is the big thing for me is that this started out as a podcast where we started to think about like what are the episodes, what are the topics, but it's actually become a conversation and a journey and it's the links between the episodes and it's the continuity you know you mentioned Matt a couple of our guests have come back a few times um yeah. you know it's the it's the future of fiction it's the conversations that we're having and it feels like it's a story that is unfolding before our very eyes and, and yeah. that's what I love.
0: But sitting sit down with any expert and for them to be able to take a huge topic which is too big for you to get your arms around and really understand for them to just break it down into a few sound bites. And actually I thought, <clears throat> I haven't mentioned this, I'm throwing it in there. <laughs> I've got, I've got the mic. Um, Leo Hickman talking about cop 26 just before cop 26 happened. And I was yeah. like, Holy moly. Right. That, the, that's what's at stake, and that's how it's going to play out. And actually, I think he, he probably called most of it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, d- difficult to do because although we're not going him any
2: it an ball, but... because he shafted us at the carbon brief quiz. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, the praise ends there. But... <laughs> but, uh, no, actually had, in fact, that was probably a professional high or one of them was going to the quiz. Really enjoyed that. It was so yeah. good to be with everybody.
2: I think that's quite a neat segue into our next so we did a, a podcast highlight what about professionally because actually cop being in glasgow professionally the personally put everything but i think professionally specifically has been huge for for all of us right so how how do you feel
0: so obviously cop 26 was a massive highlight and for me it's a professional and personal thing i guess and we'll come on to the personal in a minute but having glasgow as the host city was a dream come true now i'm i'm not glaswegian i'm not scottish um but i'm you know i'm british and i uh, to be honest, it could have, it could have been my home city, Manchester, or other places I've I've lived in. If you live, and I've been here for five years, if you live here long enough. You care about a place. I truly, deeply care about this city, and to see it as the host to this international conference was fantastic. And to contribute to so many different events was brilliant. But the local zero live that we did, and we had a fantastic panel. But it was also the audience, yeah. and to have them all in one room in a beautiful building. We were in Rennie McIntosh's lighthouse, which has all been, and it just felt like there was all these things coming together. And it I felt so lucky to have this event that we were part of, you know, after COVID as well, it made it even sweeter. I can say first-hand
2: experience as well, expertly hosted, Matt, I thought it was very good. You picked up with a lot of the slack because I was monstrously hungover that day as well. Yeah, yeah, I I, I didn't notice.
0: Uh, Yeah, and many lessons learned, like do not wear big, a thick tweed jacket under spotlight so that's a lesson learned do,
1: do not wear a thick tweed jackets anyway no, if you're under you're 70 well, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: yeah. Oh, I, I think it was a know. jumper <laughs> underneath it <that> <laughs> killing, but there you go
2: so becky how about you professional highlight because it's there's yeah. beat so much this year so much
1: yeah it's it's been challenging and i'm sure that there's lots of stuff that just isn't popping to my mind because the year i mean just thinking back to what you know what was i even doing in january um but yeah, I think it was cop as well. And for me the big thing about cop I, mean, I can't even pick out one event like like the the um the local zero live it was just the fact that instead of talking to somebody on a screen where you just see their faces and maybe their shoulders I actually got to interact with my colleagues in person. It was it was phenomenal. But you know for me it was also more than that because it wasn't just that I got to see people in person. I actually totally immersed myself in cop and I I managed to Disconnect from my, you know, my role as a mum, and I managed to completely be my, you know, my work self and fully engage and connect with colleagues in a way that I don't think I've done since lockdown started.
2: Yeah, that's so nice to hear, and I, I feel uh, obviously separate things. But I remember actually, maybe a bit of a confessional now. But at the start of the podcast, I didn't enjoy it and I didn't feel right. I didn't feel myself because we actually we know each other in real life, right? But speaking to people and I think everyone felt this, that kind of zoom fatigue and the kind of a little bit of depersonalization when you're talking through the screen, found it really, really difficult. And I think you're right. COP felt like that point where it's like, oh, these people are real, they exist. And we get to actually see them and connect eye to eye. And it was it was lovely. It was a really it, it it mental thing.
0: Remarkable how many people I met for the first time in COP who I'd been working with. For a really long time, and yeah. had, like written funding bids, or you know recorded pods with, or written papers with, and you and it was like, oh wow, you're so much taller or smaller yeah. than I ever thought you were, you know, like yeah, like oh well, it's what yeah, and you keep it, you kind of looking at them, and saying, you really are three time edge though.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we uh, met producer Dave at Local Zero Life. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I
0: know, exactly. he's <laughs> no,
3: really, probably
2: you.
0: oh, not
3: eight
2: but he's. It <laughs> was either going to be like much
0: taller or much smaller than we expected, and it says it's as, as taller, so it was good. So, professional highlighter.
2: Oh, um, yeah, there's been a lot. It's been a big year. Um, lots of exciting stuffs happened. Cop, obviously, cops the obvious one. E- everything that I've been doing this year kind of culminated in cop, and I've just been sort of rocking back and forward in a dimly lit room ever since. Yeah. Um, so I
0: familiar.
2: Probably the. So I've, I've 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 been privileged. I've won some. Uh, nice nice awards recognition for my work. But I think I wrote um, the piece at the beginning of the year on my experience as someone from a, a private background, a working class background in climate and energy. And it was received so amazingly. Um, it was shared, it led to lots of a uh, much bigger discussion. I've been really fortunate to get to have that discussion with some like people that I've I've idolized professionally um, in, in media, all kinds of places for ages, I made some cool friends, Managed to get to do lots of cool things. That was, I was a piece that I'd sat on for a while. I going, do I write this? Do I make it personal, or is it a little bit too informal? Blah blah blah, um, and it was just received so well, I couldn't have expected it anymore. And that kind of that was the snowball for everything else that I've I've gotten to do this year
0: no it's a fantastic piece uh and and obviously for for listeners uh maybe try and link this in you should definitely have a read but you know it was really warmly received wasn't it by the likes of George George Mombio um and others and you've got well I I don't want any spoilers but you're obviously doing some really fascinating stuff with some well-known household names yeah uh, not me
1: I feel like Fraser's like, going to be abandoning us soon for oh, all yeah, his course, big yeah. friends. Well, just, we're, we're, <laughs> yeah.
0: we're a footnote.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: well, funny you say that. But, well, well, we'll maybe hold that to, to, towards the end. But um, no, I, I think that's uh, professional highlights go. That, that's some serious, uh, serious stuff. So, Hang yeah. on a minute. Hang
1: on a minute. Are, are we not going to be talking about your, your, your big moment on stage at, during COP?
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. I, so from the professional to the personal, highlights of 2021 obviously personally well i'm professionally a challenging year um so i'm I'm hoping there are some highlights
1: so i mean this is i don't know if this is just like because cop was so recent and fresh in our minds but one of my personal highlights was the moving for climate Now bike ride and the reason that that was a personal highlight for me is like purely to do with the physical element of it so i'm not a cyclist i mean i have a mountain bike and and i had a mountain bike lesson for my birthday. So like the November when we started the pod. And then shortly after that, I injured my ankle and had to have surgery earlier in the summer. So I've actually not done anything physical fitness. Like I've not been able to walk for more than about 10 minutes. In fact, during the bike ride, I was still on crutches to get around cop, but I managed to do, I reckon we cycle probably around 250 K over the, over the four days. And I don't cycle. So for me, like that was, that was my highlight. Like, oh my goodness, I challenged myself. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised I didn't fall off and that I'm still alive right now.
0: I'm very glad that you didn't (laughs) fall off. Yeah, that would have been tragic. And also this Christmas episode wouldn't have been half as interesting. Um, (laughs) But but so first, I mean, have you carried on the cycling? Okay. (laughs) That that good, was it?
1: (laughs) No, you know, I have I have actually been up. So so during the bike ride, one of our stops was at Whiteley Wind Farm, yeah. uh, just outside of Glasgow, which is a phenomenal place. Unfortunately, the day that we went there during the bike ride, the weather was so bad that you actually could barely even see the turbines. But I've been back up there since to have a cycle around, and it is amazing. There are so many trails up there, and it's, it's absolutely
0: beautiful. Well, what, what I like about that example is... That you've, you've got this facility in, in, you know, wind farm it's generating power ostensibly that's what it's there for. Okay. But these turbines are just part of the wider landscape. Now I'm, I'm not saying, it, um, you know, depends what you want to do with the landscape, but the amount of people that go there and do things like running, walking the dogs, you see people on horses, you see people, you know, riding bikes and stuff. It's more than a wind farm, right? So you know, p- people may argue access Right, There'll be people who have very strong views on this and I appreciate that. But ultimately that space is used for more than just generating power. And I can't say that about most nuclear pa- power <laughs> plants or, you <laughs> no, know, it's
2: a good point. Fire. It's a really interesting yeah. point, actually.
0: It's a pro it's almost a little sort of country trail, right? It's,
2: oh, yeah. it's a, a big, and you can spend, you can yeah. extend yeah. it too. Like you could spend a whole, a whole day there if
0: you want. But the, to the access yeah. to it is, is largely because they had to get the turbines there. So you have to have these access tracks. Mm-hmm. So they're already there. Yeah. Right.
1: It, it was amazing. And so, so many people were out there walking their dogs. It was absolutely beautiful. And you're right, you don't get people walking their dogs around a nuclear plant or anything. <laughs> well, not um, normally. But, but more Depends than that, what you're into. But, I think also because, you know, it's like at the top of the hill, it's at a high point so that you can get the wind. But it also means you've got the most phenomenal views from there. Not going to lie, it makes a really, really cold cycle round on a Glasgow winter day. So, you know, but... It's also it's unbelievable. I don't know if you've been up close to any turbines as they're spinning. Yeah. Oh wow, it is. I mean, it's a little bit scary. Yeah, yeah. They're
2: big. They're yeah. big. And I know a lot of listeners are going to go well. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. they're big. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, when you're right next, or like standing underneath, yeah. and
1: and yeah, like, yeah. Shoo, shoo, the sounds coming past, <laughs> and you're just like, please don't fall <laughs> off.
0: <laughs> so Fraser, I, I don't know. Have you got a long li- Another long list of personal highlights? Or- uh, no, no.
2: Only uh, nine or ten. Nine or ten. <laughs> well, do you want to take the top three? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, have, I have three. One of them's just like a, a, a smug little side thing.
1: Working with me and Matt, right? Yeah, that
2: was <laughs> scratch great. that one. Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, the big personal highlight was uh, getting to give a speech at George Square during COP um, on the stage with with Greta with all those activists that were there. It was amazing. The whole that was the first like big march of COP. It felt big, it felt powerful. It was the first everyone has been looking forward to seeing all those people on the stage talking and 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 doing their piece. And I was massively privileged to to be invited to go and do the same to, to ten thousand people in George Square, um, from all kinds of places, from all kinds of places, not just, you know, air quotes typical climate people, but people who do community work in the East End to, you know, indigenous groups from West Papua, like Everyone was was covered in that crowd, and it was incredible. It was received well, and it was just in general, it was a powerful day, and I was privileged to be a part of it. Aside from that, I think that's like the obvious one. But aside from that, in um, Glasgow Community Energy, we hit our uh, fundraising target all from local um, investment. None of it really from, you know, big donors, anything like that. It was all small investments. We've been working on Glasgow Community Energy since 2016 was the inception. So to finally get to that, raise the money, everything's generating working as it should be. Um, that was, yeah, I'd say they're, they're split split at top for that. Kind of professional as well. The last one, the the sloppy little one that I had at the end is actually I've got, this means nothing to listeners, but I've got a few pals, including, including my younger brother, they wouldn't mind me saying this, back home who have kind of bounced about struggling um for the last few years, who have actually sort of found their calling, as it were. They're doing stuff now that they love and that they enjoy. They're finally in in jobs or running their own businesses, whatever it might be, and they're just thriving. And that's something like it's in in the midst of everything, all the chaos and the noise and the nonsense. It's just really, really nice to see. And it's that kind of thing where you have friends or family doing well. Yeah. You, you feed off that and you bounce off that. and
0: So that's my sloppy yeah. little, yeah. That's that's a really good one. Very, very important one. Yeah, personally, for me, what's being, so my, my kids are growing up now. They're, they're twins, five in uh, January. And it's been interesting to see my family as they're growing up, them start to kind of capture these environmental kind of sensitivities too and, and start to become aware as they make greater sense of the world, they start to make greater sense of the problems but also the solutions and taking them on the march when we did the climate march for me was a real eye-opener but it's also taking it wasn't just the kids it was my wife Kat and slowly but surely she's become more green uh and and a bit more and in many respects she's the one calling me to account on certain things which and so what ends up happening is you've kind of got this oh uh, this little unit of education at home which people are kind of teaching each other, I'm learning stuff from the kids. They're coming back from nursery saying, we learned this today, dad. And you know, uh, and, and it's so, so it's weird. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a, a pride thing, but it's a personal thing. Where you are seeing this family and we're kind of moving through this weird kind of net zero, just transition thing as a family first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So personally that's been quite eye opening. You look, you sit around your kitchen, you start looking around what's in your fridge what's on your driveway, yeah. what, you know, and you start asking these questions and the kids then ask you really amazing questions, which from, you were not expecting, <laughs> and you have to think really hard about answering them, you know, um, so that, that personally, I think in a, cop, in a cop year with cop here, that has been a personal highlight because it's been a personal challenge as well, trying to walk the talk, which is not easy. It Turns out, but <laughs> <laughs> willing to give it a go, you
2: know. You know, I, I find this as well as it's really my fiance, who hauls me up on stuff. I'm really, really bad for going into autopilot, you know, something that might be recyclable, and I just chuck it in the bin. So, Fraser, you're meant to be the guy. If anyone should ever hear about this, I could end your whole career if I wanted to. Like, no, he doesn't even know. What stuff's supposed to go where in the bins? Not that Glasgow takes the bins anyway, but that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. It's nice though. It's, so, do you feel like COP was a bit of a a moment for them as well, maybe in a different yeah? Way? And
0: I'm, I have a frustration as well, though. I think we not just not just Glasgow, it's the UK. I think we really did miss an opportunity, though. So, I I, did, I, I don't think we had that discussion more broadly about. What it means, and I think we need to have that, I think we there was a perfect opportunity to have that in the lead up to cop, and so that's why I think these citizen assemblies we were talking about before are really important mm-hmm. um but we we, we really need cop twenty six was the opportunity to start asking those questions, and I think the BBC actually in fairness have started to to lay out some of those questions through the kind of stuff that's that's been coming out, whether it's the super soap you know drama about you know climate yeah. change or and we had some you know other fantastic we had you know uh uh, shopping programs about how to save the planet—that's all happening, but I don't feel like it's cut through yet.
1: I think it's too conceptual for me. So even when it's coming through, it's still sort of at the concept level rather than the action level. Yeah. And I mean, the example you gave about the recycling phrase—I mean, this is like a constant source of tension in our household oh, yeah. because <laughs> it's, the
3: big, it's the biggest. Source of this. But
1: half of it for me is like figuring out what can be recycled and where it goes and what gets combined. And then different local authority areas are a bit different. So I just, I feel like there's a piece in here that's missing, which is about making this the easy choice. Not just the thing to talk about, not just the normal thing to talk about, but actually making it something that is fundamentally easy to do in our day-to-day lives. And you could look at that from a transport perspective. You know, like I still hate the fact that I do, I mean, goodness me, I do an hour round trip in the morning, almost an hour-round trip in the morning to drop my kids off at nursery and then my dog off at doggy daycare, which is ridiculous. And I have to do it in the car because there isn't another easy option.
0: Yeah. And if you, we live in just our little sort of Twitter sphere and and listen to and listen to the debates that are raging there, those for me are the kind of debates that need to be happening in everybody's front room, in everybody's town hall, church. What you name it, it at the school gates, and I think we're we're moving towards that. Mm-hmm. And my concern is if we if we use stick and maybe carrot before we've had those conversations, people may push back. Some people are always going to push back on this, yeah, okay? But 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 those that are are willing to be swayed and encouraged and controlled in the right direction, um, we can't do that prematurely. It can't be before the discussion. Nobody likes somebody unilaterally taking action on their behalf? Nobody. I don't. I like to be consulted first. So how are we going to do that? And that's kind of what Local Zero is all about.
2: Yeah, it's, it's trying to dig into here's what it means, trying to make sense of it. And we're, this is something that's always guided the conversations we have. We try and make sure that the takeaway is, so what is the practical next step what do we do or what does a listener do or someone who's interested in this takeaway i think something that has been interesting is there were one or two polls i think opinion was one i can't remember the other um that had people ranking climate as their top concern yeah yeah, Yeah. there's been a few now obviously you're going to get that cop sort of bounce in opinion but even having it having it top i don't think even after cop you would expect it to be the, the number one and whereas for a country yeah. like the uk that isn't actually all that sort of progressive on these issues as a whole i think is really really interesting and i think it's that sort of when you see you know the furor the people kicking off with each other around insulate Britain, and all that kind of stuff actually people do
0: uh, I, all right, so maybe right, get into methodological questions, which we won't bother <laughs> I think it depends what question you're asking. If you're asking somebody, do you agree in action to tackle climate change? I'd struggle to find it, they exist, right? Of course they do, but most people are going to say, "Good, do it, right? Sign me up." Then, if you start saying, uh, "Do you agree with action against cl- action to tackle climate change with these associated costs?" these impacts upon your uh, daily life business as usual yeah. um and, and then of course you've got to list all the co-benefits and and, and you know the advantages of Let's course like like, like like avoiding armageddon right, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But all, but all the other things like cleaner air and uh, yeah. so but when that's the devil really is in the detail it is
2: but for these polls what i can say is it's it's a bog standard and it's actually you know it's political scientists coming at it rather than climate folk and it's a bog standard Sort of prioritize these issues. And more so than ever before, we've had climate at the top, even above COVID, even above Brexit, which actually is is sort of tailing off just in general and interest. Um, but that's from a raw sort of political opinion standpoint, that's substantial. Doesn't get into would you pay for something yourself? Yeah. Would you change X to, to beat this? But people appreciate. The scale, of, the scale of the issue and the urgency of it, I think, in a way that maybe they didn't before COP or maybe we just didn't before. I think it's been a, a productive year
0: for the conversation in general. I mean, I, I can't go into some of the, the the kind of confidential work I'm involved in this space, but the, the, there there are whole marketing methodologies that, that our energy companies are engaging with that are asking these questions. So it's it's not just good enough to sort of say, you know, I always think back to restaurant, right? You sit down, you've got the menu, and you say before you actually ask somebody, you've got only three courses, and if you're lucky, and yeah, you've got three courses, and you're going pick one from starters, one from mains, one from desserts. So which ones are you going to have? Um, it, before you get to that point, if you just look at that list, people are going to, if it's a nice restaurant, you say, all oh, looks good to me. Mm-hmm. I sign me up, you know. I, I mean, but when you start to to impose parameters around that decision making and budgets and trade offs, and that's where the debate is going to have to lead because it's not just trade offs for you. It's trade offs. If I do this, Becky, the implication for you is going to be that. Phrase the implication for you is going to yeah. be that. It gets very complicated, very very quickly, and we don't have time to have this debate in a few years' time. It has to be yeah, happening it has today. To be nice. So do you think? Becky, is this where there's there's space for maybe
2: the justice conversation? Is this where we go, well, actually, we're aware that people push back when they feel like they're going to be penalised or left behind, potentially. Do we need more of that conversation?
1: I think so. But I think one of the big challenges that I see in all of this is that all of these approaches are still very individualistic. And at the end of the day, if you look at this in a... In a individualistic perspective, you're always going to be giving up something, especially if you come at it from a, you know, how do we deliver net zero? Net zero is the thing and these other things are co-benefits or or things that we have to give up. But actually I sort of, and I mean, coming back to when we were talking about the episodes and the reason that one of my favorite episodes was the episode that you did, Fraser, with um, with Bill, with Lucy talking about the work that they're doing on the South side of Glasgow is because it took it away from talking to people as as individual households. And it started to bring it back to this kind of community perspective. And the reason I love the LTN, Low Traffic Neighborhoods Network, is because it took it away from being all about energy and transport, and it made it about community and how you actually get a better life and so all of a sudden you're changing the conversation and you're not talking about what you need to give up or what you need to trade off to deliver net zero you're envisioning what a better future for your community not just for you as an individual or your family looks like but for your community for your area looks like and it's, it's completely different
0: there's, there's so much truth in that and you think if if you've got 11 players playing individually, you're never going to win the league, and the, this this you have there has to be a coordination, but sharing that ownership as well, you end up building these connections between individuals that you otherwise wouldn't have, because there is often well metaphorically but also literally a wall between you and the community ownership. This. We've, we've, we've lost so much of that. You speak to older generations, they'll say, oh, you know, back in my day, you know, it was, uh, we're not really neighbourhoods, or at least I, I don't, my experience has been that we don't think that way. And I think energy, sustainability, transport is a real opportunity, no pun intended, for a vehicle to, to bring us into that, that realm. Um, And it's already happening. It's already happening with the cases we've talked about.
1: And this is what I wanted to actually... Talk about, and I realize we're already, you know, quite far through into this episode. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I really wanted to talk about, yeah, Christmas is coming up and it's got me thinking all about community and connectedness and and how we are, well, and I guess maybe how we are, or maybe how I feel, very disconnected. Um, so I've been reflecting on this quite a lot recently. And I think, you know, in part, it's probably due to the fact that I I've had a very nomadic lifestyle. I don't think I've, since I left home to go to university, I don't think I've lived anywhere for more than three years. I've moved around a lot. And How long
0: have you been in Glasgow now?
1: Oh, not quite. Three years, <laughs> <almost>. <laughs> three years next July. So yeah, getting it was, itchy feet. It was, it was <laughs> it <was> <laughs> <laughs> Part and parcel of that, and, and Fraser, we've talked about this before in a different environment, is this kind of lack of connection to your area, to other people there, and you know for me we're, we're talking a lot about our work and this idea of connectedness and 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 the whole is more than some of the parts and and working together to deliver this and i just wonder if there's something in here about can can the connectedness lead to better better decisions that can be better for not just your local area but also ultimately for the climate and can climate and energy be a way to stimulate that connectedness
2: i think so i th- i think it, it feeds i think one feeds the other i th- I, th- I think there i don't think you can separate them um, I don't necessarily think that one precludes the other, but absolutely, absolutely. So, so much of the the work that I do are separate, I guess, to the academic work is much more in communities like the one that I'm from, like sort of more sort of areas of higher deprivation, for want of a better phrase. And you find that action tends to spring up where there's a bit more a sense of place or a sense of community and connectedness and that... Views towards action are more favourable when it plays into that as well. So going back to the the local episode with Lucy and Bill, they'd said we wanted to set out in our communities to do something to, to take climate action. We started with let's bring the community together and see what they want to do and form a little space that's social, yeah. you know, build that bedrock to start with, and then from there there was trust, there was a sense of you know pride in the area. I'm from that kind of that kind of place where you're like. Oh, we, we live in a horrendous place it's, it's awful it's the pits but nobody else could ever tell us that we can say that but you guys can't say that and it's that kind of there is there is I think anywhere you look communities across the country um we think a lot that we're a bit more individual now and we're, we're pulling away but actually you can have that lightning rod whether that's community energy or just community space or I think you can pull that together and I think when you have One, the other is more likely when you have both, then you have an amazing combination of things. There's
0: there's maybe a different way of saying what you've said, but I maintain that um, doing something that's sustainable or helping your community to to do something sustainable often is a second order benefit for some people who are actually the first thing that they're doing, all that they are really after, is to connect in with their community and to do something with their community. Now, actually the thing that they get behind Right, is the project? And it could, for some people, it could actually be any project. Yeah. But it just so happens the project is solar PV on a you know a church hall roof, mm-hmm. or a grow your own uh, you know community led allotment. Actually, that's 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 kind of secondary to what they're after. Now, I actually think there's a hook there. If we can say to people, net zero, just transition, sustainable development can actually scratch that itch for you about feeling connected in. I think you, because some people would just be quite ambivalent to us. It's it's fine. I'm not against it. I'm not really into it. But what I'd really like to do is connecting with my neighbourhood. We'll do this then.
1: I think for me, this is also, and and what you were saying, Fraser, about you can't come in and tell us, like, this is our, we want to have the say. And to me, this sort of really marks a point of how we need to look at engagement going forward because we know that if we're going to do if we're going to meet any of our climate goals if we're going to meet any of our targets around um mitigating uh, climate change everybody needs is going to need to take action because the actions that are needed are going to be in our homes in our neighborhoods on our driveways all the rest of that so for me that's just the only way that you're going to do that is by bringing together what we're talking about at a kind of policy level, or <laughs> whether that's national, whether that's local, or whether it's even looking at it from an industry but we're going to have to do it in a way that listens and appreciates and, and truly hears what those community, what people that live in that area want and doesn't say to them, this is what you need to do, because that's just going to get met with pushback, right?
2: Absolutely. Any kind of finger wagging, <laughs> any kind of you're not pulling your weight, you're not picking up your feet, is, is liable to be met with a big two fingers to you and I don't think that's unreasonable but I think there's there's a lot of stuff that I think um again it's different for different communities there's there's no two that are the same but you we talk a lot about things being done with communities and things happening to communities and I think we need to distinguish between that and I think before before you come in Matt the one thing that I would say is we have this I think completely misguided idea that proper engagement or taking consideration of engagement, consultation, and those kind of, you know, not leaving anyone behind. We have this weird idea that that has to take loads of time and that it's going to hold everything up. And I don't think it does. I think there are people who have been doing this in all kinds of fields and all kinds of uh, positions for years and years and decades and decades. We know where the justice issues are. We know who's most at risk from research that we've done, that hundreds of people have done where the the potential vulnerabilities lie for leaving people behind or doing bad engagement or making people worse off. It's about making sure that we bring those into the, the forefront of our sort of policy design and just getting out into those, again, air quotes, hard to reach communities and just talking to people because it doesn't have to be big and complex and time consuming. Actually, just having honest conversations, authentic, sincere with the people who live and work in the communities that are being affected. It doesn't have to be more complex than that. I don't think. For
0: me, you know, net zero has to happen. It, 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 ha- it has to happen. Scientifically, it has to happen if we want to avoid catastrophic climate change. So if you can move past that, hopefully most of the listeners are already at the second step, which is, okay, well, how do we do that? And then I think there is a question about, well, you personally, what? how would you like to do it? Would you like to do it as a consumer and deal with a kind of a suite of, privately owned companies as part of a marketplace that I, I I'm not offering any aspersions around that I'm just saying that that's one option and that many of us w- will have to do that regardless secondly you know do you want to do it as sort of a state-owned sort of top-down planned economy okay fine that might be what you want to do third you know is, is there a third way is there this kind of community-led cooperative and it's probably ultimately going to be a blend of all all the three right i mean i'm i'm a pragmatist at heart i understand that i'm not i'm not beating the drum for one or the other but actually we're lucky enough in britain uk to live in a country where actually there is this weird blend of the three give or take and individually we can kind of push a bit more at one or the other maybe less on the the, the nationally owned but depends what happens in the next few years but you, you can, if you wake up one morning and say, right, if I agree with net zero, how do I personally want to, to deliver on that? What am I going to get behind? Vote, finance or investment? What consumer decisions am I going to make? Like there's a whole host of things you can do when you get out of bed in the morning, and it'd be interesting to see how the British population, what they plump for, actually, because there'll be a lot of disengaged, yeah. but they're gonna, they will, by hook or crook, become engaged. Well, I think on that note, yeah. we, we're starting to talk, uh, talk a little bit more about, you know, what the future holds and stuff. So I, I think we should possibly wrap up on this. New Year's resolutions. Okay. okay. I'm talking maybe less, you know, obviously there's personal ones, but maybe just in the context of a little bit of what we've been talking about. There's been a big year, COP26, professionally, personally, the pod. There's a whole host going on. If I had to press you on New Year's Eve, what might you say?
2: I've got same same resolution every year. World domination <laughs> uh, in time yes. in time for the end of the year, so that the following year I can put yeah. my feet up yeah. and just delegate. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my thinking. Yeah. yeah. World domination. It's it's little, it's I try and, and every year it gets to the end of January and I ruin it and I fall back yeah. and I go back yeah. and
1: I'll vote for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, Did is that is that, the, is that the point? We don't get to vote because I, well, I
2: wasn't less, I hadn't settled on democracy. I was anyway.
1: at <laughs> the bar, though. <laughs> Becky. Oh goodness me! Um, I hate being put on the spot like this. I so I am... Um, <laughs> well, <that's> <laughs> <idea. laughs> earlier this week, which won't be this week when we release the podcast. Well, it'll be last week or the week even before that. Um, I wrote a small blog about. Well, about how COP26 had really kind of affected my life. Uh, and it wasn't anything to do with climate change at all. It was actually making me realise what I've been missing out on in the last few years. But thinking about that, I, I came up with five things that I'm going to do or try and do next year. Um, so I can I have five resolutions? Is that too many? I don't want to pick one. I don't want to leave the other ones feeling I, left listen, out. I, I don't <laughs>
0: make the rules. I, I just ask the questions.
1: Um, I think the biggest thing... I, out of all of this is is um recognizing that we're all feeling this way so so for me you know when we talked about a bit about this at the beginning getting out into cop and, and realizing that life has changed in the last few years and often in very negative and challenging ways and I don't think we really talk about that much and I don't think we open up a space for that and I I've actually been overwhelmed by the people that responded to my to yes, my blog fantastic. and, and that, yeah <laughs> amazing yeah, blog, amazing blog uh, why well, thank you thank you uh but no, i mean honestly it was it made me realize that a lot of people are feeling this way but nobody opens up the space yeah. to have those those raw conversations and i think they're the sorts of conversations that we would used to have when you know we'd be in the office and we'd go and grab a coffee with someone and you just have that conversation as part of your day-to-day life well you know now i grab my coffee like with the dog or something or on yeah. my own what,
0: what's he on this
1: <laughs> yeah. um, so a big part of a big part of it is is uh, i think opening up the space and really realizing that we need to we need to recultivate these connections that we have completely lost through how we're working so that's that's the biggest thing i think for me next year
2: i would say you know what seriously but sorry matt before before we come back i, I think seriously and this was um I don't think it was one of your five, Becky, but it was in the theme is saying no to stuff more. I think this Mm -hmm. year with COP being on, you want to take on everything. You want to, there was such a massive FOMO with COP. You didn't want to miss a single thing. Um, But I think this year I took on so much and it was too much. And now other stuff has suffered. So I think, yeah, just saying no, um, unless the price is right? Yeah. Weddings. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, my, I say this one every year, which my wife is listening. Who um, may or may not be um, gets annoyed that I say this every year, but I kind of think I really mean it now. And in fact, in many respects, your pod kind of inspired me a bit. Uh, sorry, your, your blog, Becky, but it's about going slow and your point Phrase about saying no to stuff. I ha- I have actually got quite good at that, right? But I don't. I'm no less busy. But I'm trying to link that to this notion of wanting to learn more about how the world works, about sustainability, and want to spend more time with my kids and understand, just get a bit closer with the world around. Is what 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 I really valued from lockdown was being able to step out onto my sort of f- f- you know front doorstep and absorb what was around me rather than aspire to be somewhere a hundred miles away because we couldn't be a hundred miles away and now I need the space I'm lucky enough to have, have a garden and the rest but with, with, because I just want that I want to go slow I want to be able to breathe and look around and absorb what's happening around me because for me that's where the really interesting questions emerge that kind of pop into my head when I'm standing somewhere I wasn't expecting to be and I'm going slow and some of the answers start to fill that space in between that question but if you're going 100 miles an hour 365 days a year and I have to say 2021's been no different from the last few yeah, yeah. it's you struggle to make sense of it hence and go full circle here why i've enjoyed the pod because we've been able to pause and ask those questions yeah. um even though of course it's crowded out our diaries in other ways but yeah. but yeah so go slow think more you know say no um and 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 enjoy um, enjoy the slower pace, but I'll probably say this again in 2022.
2: So, so <laughs> basically to any of the listeners who are thinking about emailing us or getting in touch, Yeah,
0: it's gone. just we have closed the account.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I guess on that note, should we uh, should we move on to our favorite part of the show?
2: Well, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a local zero without a future of fiction. Um, and I think maybe now's the, now's the point to announce the news that it will be the last future of fiction for the foreseeable future uh, no pun or callback intended there um, because I am, I don't know producer Dave if I can say this but I am buggering off I won't be uh, doing Local Zero for the next few months insert um, crowd crying at this point um, cheers. You, you, Oh cheers!
3: <laughs> 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 just, just so we definitely
2: well, get you back, smushed. Fraser. We, yeah. you, you, you are coming back, intending to come back. Yes, very much. But, but small matters. Uh, politicians uh, answer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: he's a political science student. Exactly. So, yeah.
2: I right, intend yeah, really to man. come That's back. Right. <laughs> we had the, you know, the the slight, the enormous sort of off the cliff edge after COP finished, and I remembered or was reminded that I have a PhD to finish.
3: Just a small thing, small, eh? Small,
2: small thing <laughs> um, that I've, I've got a few months left to do and
3: kind of
0: need to do it. And full disclosure, Becky, is your supervisor, so <laughs> yep. it's majority rules here, so... <laughs> As the yes. democracy, <laughs> <laughs> course, but Fraser Fraser will certainly be back, um, and um, and yeah, so willing or otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It as a guest, if you can fit it into my diary
2: in a year's time, I need <laughs> to it. check with my PA.
0: So <laughs> as as punishment, future or fiction? Future have, or fiction? Of course. Okay. We, okay. And this is and did. this is ironically the first we've done live. So is, yeah, we can
1: That's actually weird. look at your face. Will it Will it give it away? help my screen away. From you. <laughs>
2: Okay, so, Future of Fiction for the uninitiated is a game that we play at the end of every show, or we have done until now, um, where I present, in this case, our hosts with a new technology idea, and they have to decide if it's real, aka it's the future, or if I've just made it up. And this year's, for the Christmas episode, of course it had to be Christmas themed, this year's technology is called Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight. I don't know if we can get the royalties to insert the bass line from the song, but that's what it's called. If Local Zero listeners, and I know that Becky is this way inclined, are anything like me, the least favourite part of Christmas will be wrapping presents, which invariably means wrecking loads of nice paper and sellotaping yourself to the tree and or dog. But how about this? A tech startup in the US has perfected a gift-wrapping machine powered by an efficient battery system. Simply place your gift has to be quite a nice, neat cubic object into the machine. And it uses a delicate combination of 3D printing sensors and vacuum technology to create the perfect wrapping fit. Do we think it's the future, or do we think I've just made it up because I've had a horrific time wrapping presents? <laughs> <laughs> I
3: actually
2: haven't oh my done God, my presents. We have a replay on those <laughs> technologies: 3D
0: printing, vacuum yeah. technology, and what was the other one? Sensors. So 3D printing and the sensor
2: technology oh, are, sensor are linked. Technology, yeah, okay. it does. It does. So I will say it, you couldn't wrap like a rocking horse. It has to be quite specific.
1: Why? If it's got a 3D printer, you could print anything. So is the 3D printer printing the wrapping paper?
2: No, no, no. So that's just kind of baseline It's Is it printing the rocking horse. It's not printing <laughs> anything. Guys, I feel like this isn't a 3D printer. It uses technology involved in 3D printing, as I understand it, to the, more the sensory side of things, to establish the size, the shape of the object, and then it <laughs> wraps it. So it's, it's effectively like a big sort of basin.
1: And is this something you you like buy for your house, or you go into a store and you shove your gift in? I imagine
2: it's. I imagine it's something that like a shop might use. It's certainly not at this stage. Maybe or maybe not. I mean, commercially, <laughs>
0: my gut reaction: this is nonsense. But I want. I want it. Like, so <laughs> else do you <would> <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I
3: really want this
0: thing? How
3: is many
1: that, of your gifts? A perfectly cube shape. I've just done yeah. oh, I don't know the wrapping But now I know it'll
0: only wrap cubes. It's, I'm it's only going to buy cubic presents from now on, or at least it's, it's helpful
2: if they're you know neat box yeah. sort of shape.
0: I'm I'm thinking back, if you remember when many moons ago we were able to get on a plane and fly somewhere, and you you uh, which I've still never really understood people wrapping their luggage <gasps> in lots of plastic. Right, this was this is pre-feed. 3d printing and vacuum technology. Right. Well, but, but this stuff, exactly. <laughs> yes, this is you why don't we don't no, no, this. I don't even know, how but like, it's there now. Like, but you, you go back like four or five years ago, people would wrap their to protect their case. Anyway, this is, this is an environmental hate crime we can unpack later. But, um, but the, the point being is that this kind of thing is out there.
1: Now, hang on a minute. If we just wrap gifts the way that we wrap the suitcases yeah. in, like I can wrap better than that. You yeah. know, like, I, because basically, I imagine can't. you get your. Rem-
0: <laughs> I genuinely can't. I'm absolutely terrible. Imagine at
1: this. you get like cling film, and then you just literally just roll it over everything in every way imaginable. And that's it, it's just covered in cling film. That's kind I of, of what I've wrapped presents
0: in <laughs> film before. This is Tim Foil's cheap Timboil's <laughs> cheap. <general's> <laughs> <genius. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. oh dear. Right. Well <laughs> not oh, yeah. necessarily
2: the kind of thing that you're likely to have in your house. Yeah. But do you think we would you now, Becky? You told me a story off off air earlier about your wrapping exploits. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I'm in all sorts of pain now because so i Some people when they're wrapping, they're very good and they cut their they cut the sellotape and then they put all the bits of sellotape. This is what my husband does. Attached it to the table so it's all ready to go as you're is wrapping. Total pro. So I am not. So I I didn't use scissors. I just ripped the sellotape with my teeth. And then I just leave a bit of sellotape sort of like attached to my mouth whilst I'm wrapping <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: doesn't, doesn't sound doesn't it's sound effective bit, or pain free either. Yeah, no,
1: it's <laughs> really not yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, once it's fine. Right. Okay, so well, I've mapped so, like, about 20 gifts right. and I've been awful. So
0: blessed. you are customer number one for rappers to laugh, This right? is
2: it. This is it. Oh, okay. Fraser,
0: before I say this is fiction, which I'm definitely gonna say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you a question is is this do I buy this product or do I send this item off my cuboid present? I don't to... I don't
2: think <laughs> as I understand it, I don't think it's for the general public. I think it's for sort of larger scale maybe an Amazon sends you something gift wrapped that kind of someone that's going to be you're not going to be churning so out it's like, a warehouse
0: technology yeah it yeah, it's much okay. more that kind of scale. okay, so it comes
2: wrapped. Yeah, so you can order someone off Amazon or or whatever, like gift wrapped, right? That's more what it's for.
1: You can already do that, though. I mean, here's the here's my big question to you, right? like we have this right now and it's called people that, that are very good at rapping, and that's what they do so I'm struggling we also, to have, we also have
2: so we used to have people that would just like walk around building sites and keep an eye on things overnight and then we got CCTV and I was like oh you, I can just go to my bed now yeah. that's fine so yeah, not that I'm arguing for like a robot revolution or anything yeah. like
1: that
0: we've had lots of things <laughs> he, that then I'm so, sorry to say it has a point but
1: <laughs> I'm really worried like we talk about dictatorship taking over the world at the very bottom I mean this is a
3: Oh, yeah. what. <laughs> it, 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 we, we're gonna
0: we are gonna have to um uh, yeah we're gonna have to decide on this uh, i as much as i would like this to exist I, I don't believe it does and i don't believe it ever will <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm i'm a no i'm out
1: right see i think this is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard but i think that the yanks probably have invented it so i'm going with future
2: future fiction fiction the answer is It's fiction. Ah! Fiction. (laughs) Of course it's fiction. Of course it was. I was looking up all kinds of stuff. I was going, could Santa's sleigh be real? Can I get this past him? I went, no. Terrible at rapping. People will understand that. There might be a need for it. Well done, Matt. (laughs) Thank
0: thank you. Well, at least it's probably, that's probably brought my sort of average win percentage up to about 10%. So so it's been a good year. Um, So, okay. And yeah, so it's been been an absolute pleasure to to do this in person. Uh, Sadly, this will be, Phrase's last pod for the moment. Uh, he, we'll make sure he comes back in spring uh, screaming um, or, or smiling, whichever it may be. Um, but until then, yeah. Have a great Christmas. Have a great week. Hang on a minute.
1: Until then... <laughs> until then remember how much you love local zero follow us on social media please we are on twitter at local zero pod and um do feel free to email us we're local pod at gmail.com as we've already said we're clearly not going to be checking that until the new year but, <laughs> but do send us your thoughts um if you've got any episodes you want us to to look at in 2022 we are very open to ideas and uh we'll have an amazing schedule of episodes coming for you next year
0: yeah we just need to figure out what they are
2: <laughs> <laughs> but for now for now thanks to the guests that we've had that have made it so amazing thanks to the listeners for for tuning in we appreciate it a ton thanks matt and becky for being expert professional hosts and uh, we'll see you in the new year Yeah, see you in the new happy year happy christmas Bye. bye bye
3: Produced by Bespoken Media.